Hello, and welcome to Not Another Sneaker Podcast. That is not K-N-O-T. My name is Jake Willard. I'm the engagement editor for the Daily Emerald, and you're listening to the latest podcast from the Emerald Podcast Network. I'm joined in the studio by Mr. Julian Osius. Julian, how you doing today, dude? I'm doing good. Happy to be here. Happy to get this podcast started. I know. Me and Julian, we, we go back pretty far. Uh, we met freshman year in the dorms. Shout out Carson, third floor. Shout out to Carson. We've been talking about doing a podcast for a long time. Both of us, I would say, we're both pretty big sneakerheads, would you say? My pretty big sneakerheads, understatement, honestly. Uh, understatement? I believe it. That's pretty true. So we're both very big into, into shoes. Um, I mean, I got most of my knowledge from Mr. Julian over here. But Julian, why don't you give us a little bit of your background in the, in the sneaker world and how you kind of got into the culture? Yeah, so um, I've been in the sneakers for a good amount of time now, since about sixth grade. And I don't know what grade we'd be in now, but, you know, senior age in college. I've been around since before raffles and all that when you would have to go to the store at midnight just to camp out. You bring a pillow, bring some homies with you so you can stay safe because, you know, Tampa's a little, little sketchy at night like that. And uh, you just go out there and wait for shoes. And, you know, around the time when Concord uh, 11 came out, came out and uh, people were in line and people got trampled and, like, you know, some people, like, sadly died and stuff like that. Thankfully, I was never part of anything too extreme like that. But, you know, I've been in the game for a little bit. And sadly, I've never had, like, quite the funds I've wanted to get all the shoes that I want. But... Uh, you know, we're working towards that. Yeah, we're dude. still young. We're working towards Honestly, it. Honestly, story of our lives. Like, we're, we're both yeah, young. But, exactly. I mean, but you've still been able to really come up on some good good shoes in your time. I mean, you have a pair of Tiffany's and some Pirate mm-hmm. Black Yeezys, so. Yeah, I've I've been lucky to get uh, some really rare drops, a bunch of Yeezys and stuff like that, a pair of Dornbecker 9s back in the day, which, oof, I wish I still had those. Those are great, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I've been pretty lucky and been able to flip some good shoes, keep some good ones, and, you know, it's a revolving door with some shoes you have. Some are in, some are out and depends on what you're feeling absolutely I mean that's so true and I mean like as I kind of picked up on the culture from you and like really got into it like my freshman year in the dorms that's when I really really got into it and really picked up on it fast um but I mean even before then I was always a big appreciator of sneakers I mean as a runner in high school like you always want to have the best running shoe and I was always on top of what running shoes were releasing and like uh track spikes were a big thing for runners and so like it started there, but like even back in the day, like I remember playing basketball in middle school. Like I got a pair of the the home LeBron threes, which are actually retroing this in like a couple finally in like a couple weeks, which is finally crazy. getting those LeBron retros. But I remember as a little kid, I was just like rocking the youth size, playing basketball on them, and I love those shoes so much. And I think that's one of the shoes that started it for me. But it's just really cool to really kind of be into it now and immersed in such an awesome culture here in, in Eugene, Oregon, and where all this I think all of the sneaker stuff really started honestly with Nike and. It's really cool to be a part of that. So, yeah, we're going to kind of jump into the podcast here. Um, now that you know a little bit more about our backgrounds. And hopefully, for those of you who are into sneakers, you understand what's going on, obviously. But for those of you who aren't, we really want to make sure this podcast is also informative for you guys. And you guys know that, like, we're going to hold your hand along the way. And hopefully you can kind of see see a little bit of how crazy the sneaker culture really is and what, what it truly means and how truly crazy it is, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll make sure you, you understand... Uh... When I met Jake, he didn't know too much about sneakers, and I made sure that he got all the apps to download and you know knew all the, the big release dates and stuff like that and kind of knew what's important and what's not because there's so many shoes that release every weekend from every brand, Nike, Adidas, Puma, brands you don't care about, some you do. It's important to try and like decipher what's, what's good, what's not, and uh, he picked up on it pretty quick and... Uh, I think most people can. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and we're we're pretty knowledgeable, so hopefully that'll help in the process. But I kind of want to just jump in. I think the first thing we want to talk about a little bit is 
obviously there's a lot of shoes that come out as we talked about and we just i think first segment we want to get into is really what's releasing lately um what we're looking forward to how we feel about it and i, I mean i think the first thing like the most pressing thing that really just popped out and i really started to see on the basketball court is nike's adapt basketball shoe the automatic lacing basketball shoe um, we've started to see it on court in the NBA, I'm sure a lot of people have heard about this, whether you're a sneakerhead or not, because it's crazy. I mean, it's a shoe that auto laces and you can play basketball in it. Like, it's crazy. What do you think of that shoe, Julian? Well, I think it's pretty cool that like just the shoe like idea in general came from a movie with like Back to the Future yeah. and how he had like the hoverboard and he puts on those shoes, the Air Mags now that they've released a few times. And he just like hits a button and like the shoes just like wrap around his leg. And, you know, when that movie came out, I'm sure I mean, we're too young for that. But when that movie came out, I'm sure people were like, oh, that's so cool. I hope one day we can get shoes like that. And now that's like a reality where it's not just like Velcro or anything like that. This You hit a button and then it goes you and goes right around your foot, like perfect how you need it. And um, it's pretty cool that we just have that as casual wear, yeah, really. you know. But now Nike has really put a lot of like thought and like a lot of money and technology research into um this basketball version and it's it's uh, a lot of the big guys are wearing them too so they seem to be actually functional mm-hmm. in game and i think that's awesome and now they're releasing pretty soon for not even that much of a not that big of a price tag honestly i mean like when the when the auto lacing technology was first announced like released uh, shout out to tinker hatfield and tiffany beers at nike for really getting that project started um, I mean, the Hyper Adapt was the first lifestyle shoe that Nike released with the auto lacing, the the Earl technology, and those re- those retailed for seven hundred and fifty dollars, um, which is obscene. That's I mean, for the technology at the time, like it kind of made sense, but I mean, not a lot of people they sold out. The first couple of batches sold out, but um, I mean, obviously that's still a lot of that's a lot of money to drop on a pair of shoes. But three hundred and fifty dollars is the price tag on the Adapt B Ball uh, shoe from Nike. Um, those are set to release February seventeenth. So that was a big announcement. So it's still a little bit of time to look forward to. But the fact that, like, I think I read those 30, like, like basically the tensile strength in the laces can hold, like, 32 tons or something like that. Something crazy. Um, so, like, those that's actually made for performance, which is really cool. And they actually look stylish, which is which is also helps as well. Which is crazy that they're able to get that functionality with, like, this crazy technology and still make it look good. Yeah. I, especially in basketball culture, everything's about looking good. Yeah, definitely. And I think... Going off of that, um, looking good, and then also with culture involved, um, Nike also just unveiled their uh, Black History Month pack, and those always have been a big deal. I mean, last year, I think the big hit from that pack was the LeBron James quality shoes that had said quality and gold, uh, mismatched black and white. Um, they're bringing that back again this year on the LeBron. Um, it's a little bit different. I think the quality text is on the bottom on a gum, or I think it's a, it's a translucent sole. Um, kind of interesting design elements to it. But I mean, overall, that pack, that's just like, it's cool that they do that every year, I think. In, in and, February. They, and they've been doing that for as long as I can remember. Yeah, yeah. They've been doing that since like the, the Kobe 5 or something like that. Maybe even before. I don't, I, you yeah. know, that's like kind of when I started like really getting into it. And they've been releasing them every year for all the Nike basketball. And then they expanded it to like Air Forces and Air Maxes and stuff like that. And it, it's cool to see every year they do it. And it's not just, not just a money grab, like. Usually when a company will take advantage of like a holiday like that, like Nike does with the Christmas stuff, they release it and, you know, people think it's cool. So they buy it. Nike makes more money that they wouldn't have if Christmas didn't exist. But like for Black History Month, it feels like they're really trying to like send some sort of message 
and like spread this equality message that other companies just maybe are scared to do. Maybe they're not prepared or well equipped to do it. But I definitely think Nike has been the for like in the forefront when it comes to like spreading a message and actually using their platform, like you said, with the LeBron James equality shoes. I mean, he's not just saying equality for for black people in America. He's saying it for everybody. He just wants equality in general. He he helps every guy, girl, everything in between. Everybody has just, you know, equality. And the Black History Months were like a real good first step for that. Because, I mean, every month we have Black History Month. And now, like, seeing these releases every year, it's, I don't know, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it really is. And, like, they don't just do it on, like, the basketball shoes. I think this year they have, it's on a Kyrie and a Paul George and then the LeBron also. Um, but, like, they'll throw it on, like, I think the Jordan 1 is also getting the Black History Month treatment this time. Um, and then just a bunch of other lifestyle shoes. I think the Air Force One Utility even is getting getting a, a rendition. So, and a Converse, Chuck Taylor. So, there's a lot of, a lot of different shoes in that pack. So, it's just really cool to see them throw the culture on that. And those just always seem to do really well uh, in the sneaker market and the sneaker culture. They will sell out or be pretty close to selling out. And it's always, a, it's always a statement when a player wears those. So, it's just really cool to see. Nike being willing to really jump out of the box and go for it. And I remember kind of in the middle of its run with the Black History Months, they kind of stopped selling out for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And because I think people were like, you know, a little bit tired of like different patterns and stuff on their shoes, which is like understandable. But then like two or three years later, like after those didn't sell out, those shoes that didn't sell out just got so insanely like touted. Like, people really want the LeBron 10 Black History Month now. And that sat on shelves for weeks when that first came out. And now you can't get that for, like, four or 500 You could have got it under retail when it first came out, which I think is crazy. And it's kind of just, like, a reflection on sneaker culture in general. Like, we don't have the perfect, like, de- detector on what's going to be good, what's going to be hot. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we do or we think we do. but. Right. You know, we like to think we know more than we do. Yeah, you'd think. I mean, it's like it's crazy to just like look at the culture and think like, okay, like this is what I see on social media. I mean, that's where most sneakerheads are getting their like sneaker news or seeing what's the hype is kind of generated through social media, through YouTubers talking about it. And I mean, hype is one thing, but like actual sales metrics and like if it sells out, if it sits like that's those are all big factors. And sometimes you think something's going to be hype, doesn't sell out. Um, and then sits on shelves, but then you never know. Years later, it could get picked back up, and it's just a really cool thing. And there's a reason that Jordan Brandon, like they, they like to no- release lots of retros and retro original colorways. Like, like the Concords have come out what I think four different times uh, in their history. So I mean, that's the fact that shoes like that that have demand are still in demand, and people still want them. So it's just a, it's a really cool part of the culture, um, I would say. Um, so we've talked a lot about Nike. Let's let's jump over to Adidas for a little bit. Speaking um, of hype. Speaking of hype, I mean Adidas like. Like like in the Yeezy days with Adidas, like and that's prime. And it's prime. That was hype. But 2018 was a was a different year. It was a different year for Adidas. It's a weird year. For it was Adidas. a weird year. A lot of people say it was a down year. I mean, they kind of messed around and did some weird stuff. Lots of sock shoes and I don't know the Yeezy 350 V2 just just sitting too much, too many different colorways, and a lot of people are touting it's dead. But we're still kind of on the V2, or some people are calling it the V3 with the the static colorways with the translucent like stripe down the middle uh, they just released two different colorways of that that are, they don't have a release date yet um it's like the the hyper blue and then the like pink starberry pink uh, and then you can like see that. through on like the mid yeah it's still got the see-through so i mean i don't know like 
do you think, would you call this, first off, would you call this a V3 or is this still the V2? I mean, some silhouette is the V2, but. To me, I don't really think it matters that much. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think like changing the name is going to make people want it more. I think by this point, we've been so oversaturated with Yeezys and like not just Yeezys, but like the same, the V1, V2, V3 were kind of all the same to a degree, just a little bit different on the the upper for those who don't know, the Yeezy is uh, Kanye West's shoe when, yeah, he when he switched from Nike to Adidas. Uh, the big part of that was that he wanted like free creative control over his shoes. Nike was kind of demanding of what he could do and like limited him. And so Kanye said, I want control. I'm going to go to Adidas. They gave him a big deal. And when he first got there, that was like sneaker world shattering. You know, yeah. it was such a big deal because the Nike Kanye's were such a Oh, yeah. Like a polarizing shoe. And when he switched and he came out with the 750s to start, people were like, oh, those are kind of gross. And then, like you said, with, uh, you know, social media and YouTube, the more they talked about it, the more like, you know, one guy, Jock Slade, says, oh, they're kind of cool. Then you got another guy, Seth Fowler. He goes, oh, yeah. those are kind of cool. And then the shoe releases and people, instead of like, oh, those are gross, they're like, wait, those are kind of, those are kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. My, my favorite YouTuber thought it was cool. I think it's kind of cool. I want to be like my favorite YouTuber. Yeah. You know? And so those came out. And ever since then, there was like a big like rise in the popularity. Everybody wanted Yeezys. I mean, people were paying six, seven, eight hundred dollars for any given colorway. Because well, they would sell out immediately. It they was almost impossible to get a pair. And they, they would sell out to people who didn't even want the shoe. I mean, I'm guilty of this too. I'd go out and buy a pair of Yeezys that I didn't I didn't think were that nice compared to other colorways or just other shoes in general. But I knew, you know, Tom down the street wanted a pair of Yeezys. And I'd be like, all right, Tom, I got you a pair. Give me 400 <laughs> Yeah. And he'd be like, oh, only 400 Like, yeah. <laughs> this is where the resale market really, really comes in and bites true sneakerheads in the butt sometimes. It's like, you want a yeah. shoe, you can't get it because everyone's trying to resell it. And hype can be positive or negative, um, which kind of sucks. And I'm sure we'll definitely get into that in, into later episodes into the, the podcast series. I mean, yeah, I mean, the Yeezys, like, it's just, they've been doing it for so long, and it's kind of losing a little bit of luster, and, like, even when they, the Static, the first one that released of the V3 Yeezy, um, it sat on shelves. I remember I was at an outlet mall, like, the day after they released, and they, they still had them. They were sitting. They were sitting. They were sitting, and I'm like, that's something, and, like, for me personally, like, I'd, being following Yeezys for as long as they've been coming around, like, you, you would never think, like, I heard rumors, like, oh, Yeezys are popping up on shelves, like, they're sitting, and then I saw... I was back home in San Francisco because I'm from the Bay Area, and I was I went to a, a mall and I saw a pair of Yeezys sitting on the shelf for the first time ever in person, and I was so shook. Like it's like that was just such a game changing moment for me because I'm like, wow, yeah, okay, like all this talk is real. Like Yeezys are sitting, they might be dying. So I mean, it's just crazy, crazy to see how that's changed. So I mean, we'll see if these two colorways um, from the V3 have any merit or if anyone really likes them time will tell there's no release date on them yet we just like to talk about them because it's kanye west and, Yeezy, and, it's, so. and it's new news too this guy yeah. this came out like the other day yeah true you know people were talking yeah, about them trying to for a few days yeah. and then they'll stop caring after a little yeah. bit and for just a note for people is friday january 18th when we're recording this podcast so i mean some shoes might have come out might have already sold out if we're talking about them but we're just gonna still talk about them now because it's, it's relevant right now in, in the sneaker culture and I think the last shoe we really got to talk about, I think it releases tomorrow, uh, is that Fear of God collab with Nike. This is one of the first times that I think Nike's really, since Yeezy left for Adidas and 
Kanye had the power to really design whatever he wanted to. This is one of the first times where Nike was truly willing to like create or let Jerry Lorenzo create a new model, really have a lot of freedom as that creator and designer. And it's a basketball shoe. Like it's made to be a performance basketball shoe. I mean, most people aren't going to wear it. They're going to wear it as a hype shoe, casual shoe, lifestyle shoe. Not a lot of people are going to play basketball on that thing, but it's made to be a basketball shoe. And it's just crazy to see like, like this first round sold out, like they're really, really hype right now. And I don't know, Drew, what do you think? Like, this is like, is this like a like momentous thing for Nike and for Jerry and Fear God? Or is it just like a flash in the pan? I don't know. I think this is kind of another flash in the pan. Mm-hmm. And I think that just because every time there's like a Nike collab with a big company, like every time it's with Supreme or Como de Garcon, whoever it might be, Fear of God in this instance, we kind of get really excited about it. And the shoe comes out and we see it. And some people are still like, yeah, I really want that shoe. But if you didn't really want it or you didn't like it because like the way you like the way it looks with, you know, some designer shoes like this, it's very an acquired type of taste. It's like either you like it or you don't at all. And this is another example of that. And the only reason I would say this has a longevity in the sneaker like realm and people will care about this five years from now is just that. It's a basketball shoe, like you said, and it's functional. And this is like the first time that's happened in a collab of this like magnitude. Always like fear of God. They just put out like Vans, you know, and you're not going to wear Vans on the court. You're just going to wear them to look cool. PJ Tucker might wear Vans on the court. Who knows? PJ Tucker, player for the Houston Rockets, he will be wearing these and that'll be cool because he doesn't care what. Mm-hmm. how much it is, how rare it is. He has a Nike contract, and he just wears his Nikes. And I, and I love that about PJ. And he wears some of the most hype shoes ever. I mean, like, like this is going to be a good segue into what we're going to talk about next, but, like, like he'll wear, like, Oregon player-exclusive Jordans on the court. Like, he will wear stuff that no one else can get their hands on. Like, And the cool thing about him, like, versus, like, the Kyries and the KDs who have their own signature shoe or the LeBron, like, they, they can only wear their shoe. But PJ Tucker, it's like, he wears whatever the heck he wants, and... Like, he makes it sick, and he always, like, like it's so relevant. Like, I feel like every night I just see, like, a post. This is what P.J. Tucker's wearing tonight, and it's, it's such a big deal. And, like, big shout-out to him. I mean, definitely the sneakerhead king of the NBA. Like, no no doubt about it. But, I mean, touching on those those Oregon P.E. Jordans, and I think that's going to lead us into our, our big kind of discussion segment we really want to break into is talking about, so obviously we're – the Daily Emerald, the student-run independent newspaper uh, on the University of Oregon campus, we, we're in a, in a hotbed for sneaker culture, not just because of, like, the origins of Nike and, like, what started here and, like, what's ensued since, but when you think of sneakers and you're a sneakerhead, like, the University of Oregon brings special thoughts to your head, and it's most likely because of the Jordan, Oregon Jordan PEs. And, I mean, it all started, I mean, back in 2011, Tinker Hatfield just said, hey, like, like, I think the football team needs a cool travel shoe. He was bored. He was bored. Yeah. He I mean, yeah, bored. like Tinker hadn't really been making Jordans too much. I mean, he came after the 15, he he left, like stopped designing Jordan shoes, came back for the 20 and so on and so forth. But he had reached such a high point in Nike that he could, he could do whatever he wanted. He, he was, anything. Anything. I mean, he, he saved Jordan brand. He, he made it what it is today. But yeah, he just got bored and honestly, and then he just, he said, all right, I want the football team to have a pair of Jordan nines as their travel shoe. And I mean, his first one was nothing, nothing crazy. It was just plain. It was just like, a black color. Yeah, honestly, just a black colorway with an O on the back that barely looked like an Oregon O. Like you could honestly, you it looked, looked at like it, a zero, honestly. Honestly, and it wasn't even an Oregon color. It was just in gray. The the O on the back. And, yeah, I mean, and, and it was like a shoe that had already released too. Like the yeah. charcoal nine yeah. was like an existing shoe, the charcoal Jordan nine. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of 
like changed the color a little bit. He made it a little deeper, put suede on it, and said, "All right, here's an, here's an oregano. Here's yeah. your first exclusive." And that was it. And like, I don't think it was any real like. I don't think anyone noticed. I don't know. Maybe some sneaker. I don't know. I don't, wasn't a sneakerhead at the time, but um, I don't really think it was really too big of a deal. I mean, it was like, all right, cool. Like they got a cool pair of Jordans from. It made sense. It's kind it of. It definitely made was. sense. Yeah, I mean, Tinker as an Oregon alum, and he played. He was a pole vaulter here on the track team. I mean, he. He just like it just kind of made sense. Like Jordan Brand was like his baby. He loved the University of Oregon. He wanted to give him a gift, and so it was. It was nothing crazy, and like, then then it all changed with with the Picker Three, which also came out in 2011. And last week I wrote a cover story. Well, I guess when this podcast comes out, it'll probably be two weeks ago. But I wrote a cover story for the Daily Emerald about Oregon player exclusive Jordans, and the link will be in the description of. Please this. read it. It's, we, it is a good article. <laughs> it's a really good article if you don't know too much about sneakers, yeah, honestly. I, I was hoping to really cater it to people who, who didn't know and kind of, even for people who do like appreciate sneaker culture and are into the culture, like even then you know, I was hoping it was going to shed some light on what this these shoes mean to sneaker culture in general. But with that Picker 3, I didn't get to talk about it as much in depth in the articles I would like to, but that shoe is is honestly widely considered one of the first shoes to really start this player-exclusive hype but the weird thing about it is it wasn't even a player exclusive right i mean it, it was released no. to students in the pit crew the the basketball student section and i don't know like i've heard multiple stories i heard that they were raffled off randomly at games like if you attended every single basketball game that year you'd get a pair like like there's different stories floating around out there um but either way like students got their hand on these and it, it was very prominent like the jordan three tinkers like baby shoe like that's what started him like he he saved jordan brand with that shoe um, I mean, he threw an organo on the on the tongue in yellow, like it had the elephant print black with green stitching. I mean, most people don't notice the minute detail, but green stitching across the it's just so such a nice shoe. Clapping hands, the Pit Crew logo on it, and duck feet on the back tab, um, and it's just such a clean shoe, beautiful shoe. I mean, widely considered to be one of the best organ PEs of all time. That shoe, like. What, I don't know. You, I mean, talk a little about this, Julian. Like that shoe was just a game changer and that yeah, changed culture. And like you were saying, it was. It's one of the first college PEs. There were some PEs beforehand, like with Mike Bibby and mm-hmm. Ray Allen. They were big Jordan guys when they were like in their prime, and so they had player editions that some people have, and they're, they're pretty cool to see around every now and then. They got their number and their name mm-hmm. on it. But this is like the first college besides like UNC, mm-hmm. where Michael Jordan went to went to university. He would give them some shoes, but not really as like an exclusive type of thing, just because they wore Jordans, because mm. you might as well wear Jordans if Jordan went to your school, yeah, you know? And so he kind of gave back to them with that. But Tinker giving the University of Oregon this opportunity, like the students, not just the athletes, not the football players. This was a pit crew student exclusive. And to give them that, that opportunity to get this shoe is like, I think it was really, really cool. And Although there was like a contract, you know, that you're supposed to sign that you, you're not supposed to sell it, people kind of mitigated around that and kind of. Well, I think initially, like, I mean, I, I haven't, like, I've heard this from a few people and I, I don't think, I don't have any, like, information to truly back it up. But I think what I heard is that uh, when they were first released to, to students, they didn't have that contract in place. And Tinker found. Why would they? I mean, yeah, they didn't think anything of it. They were just like, oh, yeah, we're going to give some students some shoes. They'll wear them around campus and they'll be proud of them. And I don't think anyone really realized, like, what they'd be worth someday. I mean, obviously, now they can sell anywhere from $5,000 to 7500 I mean, easy. Easily, um, and, depending on the size. Yeah, depending on the size. And I don't think students, like, they didn't realize what they were creating. And then students, like, realized, wow, there's a demand for these. And they'd sell them. And then Tinker, I think Tinker found out 
I mean, then he got mad and then that's when the contract came into place that you, you're not allowed to sell them until you graduate or I think you can't sell them for four years or something like that. I don't remember exactly what the terminology was. And, um, and like that was kind of a foresight on his end because mm-hmm. in 2011 when this took place, that was kind of like the real beginning of the sneaker culture. Like that was when sneakers were really, really starting to pop and people were like caring. I mean, people have always cared about yeah. shoes since like basketball shoes have like made it big. Ever since like Jordan got into the league, but once Jordan started retroing, and then like LeBron came into the league and got his own shoe, and Kobe had his own shoe, that's when people were like, "Okay, hold on, yeah, let's like try and grab onto some of this like history now, mm-hmm. so we don't have to wait for a retro later." Yeah, in you 2011, know? there were a lot of like I think a, there was a Concord retro in 2011, yes. a True Blue, the three. biggest release ever. Was yeah, the, that, that was, was Concord's. That release. was the riot. Those are the riots. Um, I mean, I just remember 2011 was a big year for Jordan retros, but I think it was also just like, like that year was like when it really started to get more mainstream. I mean, I think with all the hype that surrounded LeBron James coming to the league and getting his own shoe, and like I think 2011 was just a, a turning point year. People talk about like Nike SBs like being like what kind of combined like skate culture with sneaker culture and then you got supreme and a lot of things kind of came from that but i think 2011 and basketball when we're talking basketball sneakers that's when it really 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 started to to balloon and i think a big thing about that shoe also like as i'm thinking about it right now is that like for football players like football players have giant feet and they they i mean size like we're talking like size 13 14 probably some of the 15 even if depending on who you are um so like after they graduated and were selling their shoes um, which ultimately happens with a lot of people. I mean, those are, you're only getting the big sizes in the market. But with the Picker 3, we don't know. Well, first off, we don't know how many pairs in our existence. And I think that number, the lack of knowing that number really like means like, oh man, like there's a pair for sale. Like, am I ever going to get the chance to buy it again? But also there's just such a wider range of sneaker sizes available. And there's probably a bunch for each size. Like I'm, I'm assuming if you're going to make shoes for the student section, like you're gonna make shoes like a couple, like a you gotta handful. have a seven, you gotta yeah, have a thirteen, exactly. you like, gotta I've have seen, a ten. I've seen a lot of like my. I remember our freshman year yeah, sitting in the pit crew. Like there were girls wearing the pit crew threes, and we were like, okay, yeah. So they make them in, in woman sizing. I mean, this girl looked like she had like like a normal woman sized foot. Like so, she was definitely fit in like a, a Jordan three. Like, and so it just says a lot about like that shoe. Like between the, the wide sizing, like not knowing how much, like that adds to the mystique really of what that shoe is truly worth. Um. And you and I kind of have like a little bit of history with this shoe. I mean, as students here, like they still have a couple. I mean, we don't know how many, obviously. We don't know how many exist, but like they still have been basketball games where they've raffled off these shoes. Um, Which we always seem to miss. We always, like, I remember. It was they just, need to do better at marketing these games. They do, I've yeah. been saying that for a while. I know, which sucks. So, like, you'll go to a basketball game, and they're like, oh, yeah, we were doing a raffle for Piku Jordan 3s. And we're like, oh, okay, like, that's, that's happening. And then I remember distinctly there was one game where I was one number away. And I cried. I straight up <laughs> from cried. The, from the threes? I was one number away from winning that raffle, and I cried. And I was, because that's, that's like my grail. I mean, I'm sure it's a lot of people grails. And like, that's, I mean, for people. Grail, by the way, is like, yeah. if you have a grail, that's like the shoe. Usually it's like five shoes-ish. Mm-hmm. Some people more if they, you know, <laughs> you know, how much they've seen. Yeah, yeah. But that's like the shoe, like, over anything else, they would give in whatever they have for that shoe. Yeah. The holy grail. The holy grail of shoes. And yeah. like. It's obviously personal preference for everybody. Definitely. It's like mine is very different from Jake's because mm-hmm. like I'm a Yankee fan, so I need some Jeter ones. Oh. Like that's just what I need. Those are beautiful. But like Jake's are yeah. obviously like these Oregon shoes that we're talking about and like some other stuff. Yeah. But And I like the Jordan 3 is my favorite Jordan silhouette of all time. Um, and I love Tinker Hatfield. I mean, I've had the pleasure to meet him once at a track meet, um, talk, talk to him about Hayward Field and his shoes. And 
I don't know. So Tinker Hatfield is going to always hold a special place in my heart, and the Jordan 3 always will as well. That elephant print gets me every time. Um, but yeah, I was one one raffle ticket away, and I a lot and I cried. But um, also, like we had talked about this multiple times, that like okay, say for example, someone who wins this raffle doesn't realize the value of these shoes, and fingers crossed, fingers crossed, they don't understand the value of these shoes, and we go up to them, three hundred dollars cash in hand, and say, hey, like some lunatics, like some lunatics, like hey, like I'll give you three hundred dollars for your winning raffle ticket. And like we had talked about this, like I think we had joked about it because we weren't actually serious about it. I don't think any of us had that cash handy. If I had the cash. I would, yeah, if we I had the cash handy. But uh, I've had the pleasure of kind of getting to know Brendan Dunn a little bit. He's a deputy editor at Complex, and he's shout out, shout out to Complex. Come, come sponsor the show, please. Uh, Complex, come sign us. <laughs> and he's also the uh, he's a co-host for the Sneaker Talk Show Full Size Run. It's on YouTube. Go check it out if you haven't, because it's a really good show. It's a great show. One of like the few really good yeah, sneakers. Yeah, Trinidad shows. James on that show and Matt Welty. I mean, they they just they do a great job bringing on some guests. I've had the pleasure of talking to Brendan Dunn, and I interviewed him for my story about Oregon PEs for the Emerald and uh, he says that that's how he got his pair he he found when they first were raffling them off there was an old couple after their winning ticket number was called they got up and went to walk to claim their shoes and Brendan caught up with them in the in the walkway of Matt Knight Arena and said I will give you $200 cash for the winning ticket and this old couple didn't think anything like $200 heck yeah we'll take it and so some shoes they would never wear so he actually did it he followed through on what we had always joked about and uh, that's how he got one of the most he he said was one of the most sought after Jordans of all time Um, so I mean big shout out to Brendan Dunn I mean really appreciate him taking the time to talk to me but I mean like that's just what this that's just what those shoes are like even yeah it's a special place in everyone's heart I think so would you say those are your favorite of like the Jordan PEs PE stands for player edition sorry for the shorthand but like I mean we got the 13s that just came out which are awesome right and then you know we have some other classics like the black uh Jordan 4s and the white Jordan 4s with the the duck man on the the back which is pretty cool duck man is amazing I mean I would it's been a toss-up lately I mean obviously like I said I'm a big Jordan 3 guy and I love Tinker Hatfield um the the Tinker 3s that the football team got this past football season uh for the homecoming game I mean those are beautiful like and that's the jordan 3 that like tinker wanted to release like when he made the shoe he had the nike swoosh on it he said this is what i want mm-hmm. and then jordan kind of you know tweaked it a little bit and he was like i, I don't really want that swoosh. yeah but this year they've released some of those yeah and i think that's pretty cool that tinker's gotten like, honestly, his like his baby yeah, to actually release honestly and they've been doing that with a couple not just the three they did the 10 and then the 13 and so they've been doing it with a bunch um, but I mean, that's just like that shoe is, is gorgeous. The green suede upper, the root, the different interchangeable swooshes, like, you know, elephant print swoosh, yellow swoosh. With, it's just, and then the O on the back, that's like black, black chrome. I don't know. Like that's, that's very close. I mean, I don't think any, a pair of those is ever going to pop up in my size ever. So, I mean, it's, we can only hope we can if only there's hope. an equipment manager, <laughs> that's a size eight or eight and a half. That's what size both Jake and I are. Yeah. Hit us you up, have please. an extra pair. Let us know. Yeah, hit us up. We please. want them. We want those. Um, Maybe five years, but let us know. Yeah, I don't let think, us know. We'll, we'll, there's no expiration we'll be available. date. Yes, we'll find us. absolutely. We'll we'll make a way to ha- make it happen. But I think those. It's between those two for me, definitely the t- the picker three or the, or the tinker three. But I mean, there's just been so many good ones that have come out. I mean, you talk about the thirteens, and those ones are reaching astronomical prices. But you, what I don't know, what about you? I mean, what do you think were some of your favorites? See, I'm kind of on the same side as you normally with Jordans. Like the true blue Jordan three is my favorite Jordan just ever, but. Honestly, I love, love the Jordan 4. The black, it's just like an all-black Jordan 4, and it has like these green chrome aglets on like Mm -hmm. the back and on like the lace locks. 
and then just like a silver Oregon O in the back, and it's just so simple. Yeah. And it kind of like pops a little bit with like the green shimmer. Yeah. And just that's you. I've seen it once in person. I went to a sneaker convention in Tampa. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, why am I so broke right now? <laughs> I looked at my dad. I'm like, dad, I'm going to get those one day. He said, really? And I'm like, yeah, I guess how much they are. He said, I don't really want to know. I was like, 4,500. Sorry, dad. <laughs> Bobby O, no. <laughs> Bobby O. He's taking me to a, a good amount of sneaker conventions. So uh, yeah, appreciative shout- of him for that. Uh, allowing me yeah. to Big grow shout my out to knowledge. Bobby O for helping Jew, young Jew over here uh, get into the sneaker culture big time. Um, yeah, that's a great shoe. I actually was uh, sitting on the sideline of the Red Box Bowl, Levi Stadium. I was covering it for the Daily Emerald, and I saw Eric Armstead, who's a player for the San Francisco 49ers, also Oregon Duck alum. He had the go the, Ducks. Yeah, go Ducks. He had those fours on, and uh, yeah, in person, they're they're on another level. I definitely just want to talk about like, I mean, you can't not mention at least like there's the the Oregon Fives, the green suede Oregon Fives. It was the first. Oregon PE that truly embodied like that Oregon green, very the, bright, the, the very new flashy green, like the that, new green, that the Cali apple, green, the Cali, yeah. yeah, the appleish green or kind yeah. of thing. Um, so like that's a big one you always have to throw in the conversation. Um, and then the 14s, like the 14 is kind of a hit or miss, Jordan, to be honest. Like some people love it, some people, the Ferrari Jordan 14, obviously, not my, not my cup of tea, yeah, not, not, yeah, it's definitely like that's a that's a iffy shoe for some people, but the Oregon 14 Tinker did a great job. I mean, took it slate gray, um, for the first one at least, and then just. Through ducks, the fighting duck all over it, and, and it's that that shoe in particular to me is really cool because, you know, you think of Oregon, you think football, mm-hmm. and like a, a lot of people think track, but when, when you just think of like college sports in general, track's not like the first thing that pops out. So they like gave the track team this Jordan fourteen, and I think that was a really good like show of appreciation yeah. to like the be- probably the best sport. I mean, I don't think it's really a probably; yeah. it's pretty definitive at this point that, like, this university, like, continuously puts out. Mm-hmm. And then they also gave some love to the volleyball team yeah. with a different color. I think the, the olive one, the, right? They got the olive green. They, so I think it initially started, so the football team got the gray, and then the volleyball team, the basketball team, and the track team got that green one uh, of the of the Jordan 14 with the ducks all over. Um, and so, like, that was just a cool shoe. And ever since then, like, it's been pretty standard where the football team, the basketball team, and the track team all get a pair of Jordans each year. Uh, give track. more love to volleyball. Honestly, give and more love softball. To those softball. Girl, those girls are too good to women's, not get the love. Women's they basketball, deserve. also, I think, deserves, especially this year, they're on a whole nother level. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Sabrina's a beast. Sabrina, she's probably going to go to the WNBA, which is kind of crazy. That's, um, that's dope. Yeah. Remember us. Remember us. We shattered her out on our sneaker podcast. I mean, yeah, so those ones are definitely always worth noting. But I think to finish it off, we just got to touch on the, the, the Jordan 13s. I mean, last year, all three, football, basketball, track, all got Jordan 13s. But the football ones particularly, the the green dots on the 13s with the like the neon green. But the biggest thing, the duck in the bubble, revert, taking away from the, the Jumpman logo typically. I mean, those ones for some reason just like that was it for a lot of people. A lot of people, people were, like remembered like Oregon made shoes again. Yeah. And it was kind of a cool thing to see like rappers like Lil Yachty like say oh I need that shoe mm-hmm. and then he goes out and spends like what 13 grand on it <laughs> Some, I think Ima- imagine spending $13,000 on a pair of shoes something crazy I mean I they know wear like twice because he's so rich honestly yeah he's got such a good I mean if you get the time go check out Complex Joe LaPuma went inside Lil Yachty's sneaker closet and he literally said in that episode like when he was talking about that 13 he said like makes me want to go be a student at the University of Oregon just so I can wear this shoe like that's how hype it, and he had a lot of expletives he threw in there as well because it's Lil Yachty but I mean it was very funny quote and a very notable quote. But yeah, I mean, those, those 13s are just on a whole nother level. 
Um, and it, the crazy thing is that they're so new and they haven't even hit the market enough yet that we don't know their true value. Like we've seen them go anywhere from 3000 to 10,000. Like it's just such a wide range. So those are, those are crazy, but I mean, it's, 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 it's been fun to follow. I mean, Oregon Jordans, I mean, except for those sixes they did this year. Cause don't talk about those. I mean, Brendan Dunn said when I was interviewing him that whoever, uh, created those shoes needs to apologize. <laughs> those are pretty bad. So yeah, don't get too carried away, uh, with the, with the Jordan P's for Oregon Oregon Ducks, but uh, I mean, yeah, I mean that's about everything we really had to talk about. I mean, that's it's, Oregon PEs are just they're just such a cultural phenomenon, and it's really cool to be here, students at the University of Oregon, and just be a part of that culture and really experience it firsthand. Um, Absolutely, yeah, but yeah. That's that's gonna wrap up our I think our first episode of um, Absolutely not not your or not another sneaker podcast. Uh, we're gonna have more episodes coming out. Yeah, uh, just be on the lookout for those uh, if you like what we do let us know tell us what you want to hear if you want to know about a certain release or anything like that let us know or mm-hmm. like if there's a different lineage of like pe's or anything yeah. in particular that you want to know about let us know yeah and, uh, we know a lot of stuff yeah we know some stuff we'll do the research and we just really want to just give back to the culture that we've come to love and absolutely become a big part of our lives so uh, thanks everyone to listening. Re- really encourage you guys to share with your friends, whether they're sneakerheads or they just found this fun uh, and like what you're doing. So yeah, give us a share. Follow the Daily Emerald on all social platforms. Follow us on social media at Run J Will and at, at Julian the Cut. There you go. Um, that's gonna wrap things up. Thanks everyone for tuning in, and uh, yeah, go forth, conquered. Peace. Peace.